Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Right now, big things are going on at Collective as we are finishing the work on our own 24-7 space with the plan to be open by Easter. Until then, you can continue to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. for Collective Online. We'd love for you to join us. God is moving at Collective and in the city of Frederick, so stay tuned so you can be up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved with what's next at Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. Before Collective ever started, I had a blog where I would write regularly about the type of church that Ray and I hoped to start in Frederick. And I did this so people could support our journey to plant a church and learn more about the vision of Collective. So over the course of 18 months, I posted every few weeks, and hands down the most popular post I ever wrote was called, A Church for Justin Bieber. And I wrote this right after the news came out that Justin had started to attend church and gave his life to Jesus, and was baptized. And this was a really hot topic at the time because a lot of Christians acted like Bieber was faking it and that his past sins were too big to be forgiven, which they weren't and still aren't. And a lot of non-Christians struggle with this because they assume that this would mean Bieber would become a Christian artist and start producing subpar hits where you can replace the word baby with Jesus and pretty much get the same song. I know you love me, I know you care Just shout whenever and I'll be there You want my love, you want my heart And we will never, ever, ever be apart Are we an item Jesus quit playing? We're just friends, what are you saying? Said there's another who looked right in my eyes my first love broke my heart for the first time And I was like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Ooh, like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus No, like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus No, thought you'd always be mine, mine Okay, so that didn't really work, but whatever. But ever since I wrote that post, I have been a secret fan of Justin Bieber. And I'm sorry to disappoint many of you with that news, but I don't really care. And I'm not a believer, but I started to listen to some of his music because I wanted to see what changes were really happening in his life. And recently he put out a song, and as I was listening to it, one of the lines stopped me in my tracks. He wrote, unforgiveness keeps them in control. And as soon as I heard this line, I resonated. Because here's the truth. I struggle to forgive people. I do. I hold on to pain. I hold on to grudges. I hold on to bitterness when people have hurt me or my family or my friends or my church. And I am not good at offering forgiveness. And this impacts all of the relationships that I have. It impacts my marriage. It impacts my friendships. It impacts how I lead. And I wish it wasn't true, but I'm just being real with you. Past pain that I have from people who broke my trust, 
lead to issues right now. Past pain I have from people who said nasty things about me behind my back lead to the fear of more terrible things being said right now. Past pain from people who have betrayed me lead to walls that stop me from getting close to new people right now. I struggle with forgiveness and it impacts all of my relationships. And I'm sure that many of you know exactly how that feels. So as we continue our series today called How to Win, this is exactly what I wanna talk about. Today is about how to win in relationships. And there are a ton of things that you can do to have healthy, life-giving relationships. We actually did a series last March called Intimacy that you should check out if you want more tools beyond what we're gonna talk about today. But as we look at 2021 in a new year and new goals and new opportunities to grow, one thing I wanna challenge you to bring into your relationships in 2021 is forgiveness. See, Jesus makes it really clear that there are two different ways to live your life. And Pastor Jim Bergen says it like this, there are two deals on the table and you can do whatever you want. You have the freedom to choose. And here's what Jesus says these two options are in John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. So this is deal number one. And you can go this route if you want to, the one with death and destruction. I mean, you're gonna get ripped off, but it's your choice. And here's the other deal. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus didn't come just to keep you alive. He didn't come so you can just get by. Jesus came to give you life to the full, an abundant life right now, not after you die, Jesus has that covered. If you follow him, you'll end up spending eternity with him. There's nothing better than that. But Jesus also wants you to have a full life right now here on earth. So here's what this means. There are parts of your life where if you get it wrong and you follow Jesus, you will still receive grace and you're still going to heaven, but you will experience life that is very different than abundant, very different than to the full. And forgiveness is one of those things. Unforgiveness steals peace. Unforgiveness kills joy. Unforgiveness destroys growth. But choosing forgiveness will help you win in your relationships and live life to the full. Colossians 3 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Mark 11 says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So the word forgiveness means to release, to let go. And this was originally a financial term tied to the concept of releasing people from their debt. And you will see over and over again in the Bible that Christians are called to forgive just as Jesus has forgiven to release people from their debt in the same way that Jesus has released our debt, the debt in our lives that our own sin creates. And forgiveness is essential to Christianity. All of Christianity is built on the fact that Jesus died on the cross to forgive us for our sins. And he commands everyone who follows him to offer that forgiveness to other people. The most famous place that he mentions this is in the Lord's prayer. This is what Jesus says, and forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. And listen, 
Jesus knows that this is the most controversial part of the prayer because it's the only part of the Lord's prayer that he actually goes on to expand. Right? Jesus knows that people are going to get stuck on this part because it's hard. So he goes on to verse 14 and he says this, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you are commanded. It's imperative. It's part of the deal that once you receive forgiveness, you offer forgiveness to other people. And there are no loopholes in this command. You forgive as you have been forgiven. So let me ask you a question. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? Now I want to make this really clear though. Forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. For some reason, people buy into this dumb idea of forgive and forget. But that's not what forgiveness means. That's not what Jesus asks you to do. And if you believe that, you're actually setting yourself up for failure. And you'll skew your view of God. It will hurt your relationships with other people. And it will create a spirituality that's actually unattainable. I mean, just play this out for a moment. If forgiving means forgetting, if someone cuts me off on my way to work in traffic, I can forgive and forget because I'm just going to forget that anyway. But what about the actions of an abusive parent? What about the hurtful words of an ex-spouse? What about the backstabbing of a coworker? What about the betrayal of a former best friend? If forgiving means forgetting, I'm not sure I can do it because I've tried to forget and I can't. If forgiving means forgetting, maybe I just have to opt out of forgiveness because I can't forget what he or she did when they walked out, when they used my vulnerabilities against me, when they took that peace away from me. So this isn't about forgiving and forgetting. Forgive and forget sounds spiritual. It sounds biblical, but it can be dangerous. And it will have negative consequences if you actually buy into this because it can lead to anger at God, because God, you forgave me, but I still feel the fallout from my sin. It can hurt relationships. I thought you forgave me. So why are you bringing the past back up all the time? It can cause us to give up because if forgiving means forgetting and I just can't forget, I guess I'm just gonna have to tap out and give up on this whole forgiveness thing, or I'm just a failure at it. So here's the question. What does it mean for those of us who follow Jesus to forgive, right? We need to forgive and we, we get that, but we first need to understand how Jesus forgives us. And there's this myth out there that a lot of Christians perpetuate that when God forgives us, he forgets our sin. Like it's wiped out of his memory forever. And Christians will use Bible verses like Jeremiah 31 that says, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. And at first glance, this is very comforting. God offers you grace. He offers you endless second chances. God will forgive you. He will not hold your past sins against you and hang them over your head for the rest of your life. But what does it mean when it says he will never again remember our sins? Well, the best interpreter of the Bible is the Bible. 
So think of, for example, Noah, the flood, the ark, two by two animals. In that story, it says, God remembered Noah. It doesn't mean that God is up in heaven and sees Noah and thinks, oh, me, I totally forgot about that guy. I should go help him. That's, that's not what that means. It means God knew it was time for him to fulfill the plan that he had already set in motion. God knew it was time to act. See, think about this. If we can remember something that God doesn't, we have a huge theological problem on our hand because that means we have a better memory than God does, which means he is not all-knowing and therefore cannot be all-powerful. So we need to understand what God means when he says, remember. And to do that, we have to understand the nature of God's forgiveness. See, when God forgives us, there are two realms in which forgiveness occurs. There's the spiritual and eternal realm, and there's the earthly and temporal realm. And when God forgives us on a spiritual level, the consequences of our sins are taken away forever, which allows us to spend eternity in heaven with God. But in the earthly realm, even though God forgives us, we often have to deal with the earthly consequences for our sin. And we see this throughout the Bible. Paul, who led multiple church planning journeys, stops Mark from going with them on one of their trips because he had wronged Paul in the past. Moses, the leader of the Israelites who delivered them from slavery, sinned against God. And God says, Moses, I forgive you, which was forgiveness on a spiritual level. But then God says, you are not going into the promised land, which was consequences on an earthly level. See, it's important for us to understand that just because you've been forgiven doesn't mean there are not consequences for our sin. And if you don't understand this about your relationship with God, it will mess you up and throw you for a loop. For example, I've seen the person who cheated on his wife get forgiveness from his wife, but then get mad at God when she still left him. Or the student who got caught cheating on the test will be forgiven by God, but the teacher might still fail them. Or even on the flip side, in your relationships, someone sinned against you and you forgive them, but you don't give them an all-access pass to every area of your life. God forgives, but there's still fallout on earth for the acts that he is forgiving. So what do we do with that? If we don't just forgive and forget, what does forgiveness actually look like? I mean, we pray the Lord's prayer, Father, forgive my sin as I forgive those who sinned against me. But it raises questions. What do we actually do? And I love the way that Larry Osborne phrases this. Here are the questions that he asks. How do we live out this kind of forgiveness in the real world? What consequences are appropriate? Which ones are punitive? How far do we go with second chances? Does forgiving mean trusting someone again, even when we know they're untrustworthy? Does it give those who have hurt us the right to barge back into our lives at, a, at deep and time-consuming levels? Do we have to invite them over for dinner or Thanksgiving or the wedding? So here's what I want to do as we close out today. I want to share with you three things that I think will help you when it comes to the, to the biblical perspective of forgiveness. And so write this down, take a screenshot, do something. This is the first thing you need to understand when it comes to forgiveness. Forgiveness means letting go. Forgiveness means letting go. It doesn't mean forgetting. It doesn't mean pretending like everything is okay. It doesn't mean everything goes back to normal. It means letting go and no longer holding on to bitterness or frustration or a grudge or whatever against the person that hurt you. 
First Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of being wronged. Another way to say this is that love doesn't keep score. Now I love to keep score in sports, but this is a horrible thing to do in relationships. Love doesn't keep score. Love keeps no record of wrongs, which means you don't throw old things in people's faces. It means when you're annoyed with your husband one night, you don't bring up the time when you're dating when he forgot your birthday. It means when your wife gets home late from work, you don't bring up the hurtful things she said last week in the middle of that fight. It means when you're making a plan with a friend who bailed on you the last time, you don't throw it back in their face that they bailed on you the last time you guys made plans. Love keeps no score. Love keeps no record of wrong. Forgiveness means letting go. The second thing to write down is that forgiveness needs boundaries. A boundary is necessary to keep everyone safe. And when we talk about forgiving, we still have to have boundaries. Paul wrote in Ephesians 5, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. So you live like someone who is wise. What that means when talking about forgiveness is that you learn from the past and you create new boundaries, right? You are allowed to forgive people while also having rules set up to protect yourself from additional pain. You can have boundaries to keep everyone safe. So if you have a relative who gambles a bunch of money away, there's a healthy boundary of putting systems in place so they don't have access to money. You can also create boundaries where you forgive people, but you no longer have relationships with them because they've hurt you. And if you have any past sin issue in your life, it's healthy, it's helpful, And it's safe to put a boundary in place to protect a person and to protect yourself. Boundaries are godly. Boundaries are helpful. So as you forgive, use boundaries. The last thing I want you to write down is that forgiveness is hard, right? I know this is an obvious statement, but the first time I heard this, I felt like a weight had been lifted from my shoulders. Forgiveness is hard. I mean, Paul writes again in Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And these verses sound good, but it's not that easy. It's not that easy to let go. It's not that easy to forgive as Jesus forgave us. But Jesus challenges us in the moments to be reminded of how much we have been forgiven because Jesus says, I have the authority to tell you to forgive is because I've forgiven you. I've forgiven that sin, that mistake, that thing you did to the person you love, that lie you told, that secret you kept for years. Jesus has forgiven us, so we forgive. Corey Ten Boom lived during World War II and she was imprisoned in a concentration camp for part of the war. Her crime wasn't that she was Jewish, but that she and her sister hid Jews from the Nazis and they got caught. While in the concentration camp, her sister was killed, but she survived and went on to tell her story. And one of the stories that she shared was a few years after the war had ended, she was speaking in a church in Munich about how she hung on to Jesus through her experience. In the middle of sharing, she looked up and saw a man in the audience in a brown coat holding his hat, listening intently to everything she was saying. But she didn't actually see a man with a brown coat holding a hat. She saw him the same way she had when she first saw him in the concentration camp 
as her captor. She saw him in a German army uniform. And instantly she could see the bony outline of her frail sister in front of her. She could see the stacks of shoes and dresses in the middle of the room as they had been forced to strip naked and humiliated. She remembered the pain that this man had caused. After the service, the man approached Corey Tenboom and said, it's great to know, as you say, that God has cast our sin in the bottom of the sea. She just stood there frozen. And here's what she wrote about that moment. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. It was the first time since my release, I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood froze. He said, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there, but since that time, I have become a Christian. He said, I know God has forgiven me. Do you forgive me as well? She said, I stood there and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? She said, it could only have been a few seconds that she stood there, but it felt like hours as she wrestled with God in her soul. And she knew she did not have the feeling to forgive, but she said, I had to. I had to forgive. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition is that we forgive those who have injured us. And she said, if you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, neither will your father in heaven forgive you of your sin. She said, I stood there with a coldness touching my heart, but forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. So she silently prayed this prayer, Jesus, help. Jesus, help. I can lift my hand. I can do that much, but you must supply the feeling. She said, woodenly, mechanically, she lifted her hand and she shook hands with a man who is partly responsible for the death of her sister. And then Jesus gripped her soul and tears streamed down her face. And she said, I forgive you, brother. Now, I don't know how you do that. And I don't know what pain other people have caused in your life. But I do know it's best saying, Jesus, help. Jesus, help. Because forgiveness is hard. It's not easy. And sometimes the only way we can truly forgive is through the power of Jesus. Jesus, help. Jesus, help me forgive others the way that you have forgiven me. The broken, lost, and perfect mess of a person that I am. So who do you need to forgive? Who has been the person on your mind for the past 25 minutes that you're hoping I'm not talking about? Because here's the truth. If you want to win in your relationships, forgiveness has to be a part of your life. Not just forgiveness received, but forgiveness given. Because when you choose unforgiveness, you choose the path full of more pain and more destruction and more death. And that will only hurt your current relationships. So who do you need to forgive so you can have healthy relationships with the people currently in your life? Who do you need to forgive so you can stop giving them control over how you approach your current friendships? Who do you need to forgive so that you can live life the way that Jesus actually wants you to live? Who do you need to forgive in the same way that Jesus has forgiven you? Let's pray. Jesus, help. 
help us figure out how to forgive. Help us figure out how to not hold on to that pain. God, help us figure out how to forgive while setting boundaries. God, we want to have healthy relationships. We want to have the best marriage possible, the best friendships possible. But God, the truth is that is only possible through your help. God, by you supplying us with the ability to forgive and let go of some of the past pain we dealt with, some of the current hurts that still come out, without you helping us move forward with our life. So God, help us forgive as you have forgiven us. As broken as we are, as messy as we are, as much as we screw up, God, you still forgive us. God, help us get the energy and strength to offer that to other people, but to do it in a way full of wisdom where we let go and create boundaries, but overall just rest on you and trust you in this because we need it. Jesus, help. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.